why are we doing this? What, what, why in the world would we choose a book like Leviticus to go verse by verse through? You'll be wondering that even more when we finish these chapters today. But let me answer the question before we ask it. Verse by verse preaching is something very special. Something we are committed to do here as the primary form of our preaching. Now, it allows the word of God to set the agenda. We go wherever the verses lead us, not wherever the preacher enjoys the topic the most. Um, and so uh, my conviction is this. It was actually forged in a church that I was working in that was constantly skipping over verses and entire chapters and emphasizing some things and avoiding other things. And what I was just troubled by is that you can have a very unbalanced view of God if you do that. And then I, I'm in Second uh, Timothy, and I, I, I hear these words from Paul, and they just echo into my soul. And so I candidated here uh, when they wanted a pastor. This, these are the verses I preached on. All Scripture, all Scripture is breathed out or inspired by God, and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That includes these chapters. That includes everything from Genesis to Revelation. Every word counts. And just stop and think, what book is like this book? Right? Why would we ever skip any of this book? This is authoritative revelation of God. It's not like any other book. And so, though there may be an inclination to skip over some of the more awkward chapters of Leviticus, we're not going to do it. We're going to do some summary things today but we're going to try to cover all three of these chapters. And uh, I also think of Paul encouraging the Ephesian elders with these words. He says this, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. What is that for us? That's cover to cover. That's the whole thing. Every word, every verse, it counts, it matters. It's for our good. It's for our benefit. You could go to Psalm 19 and see this as well. The Word of God is, is pure, it's clear, it's radiant, it's clean. And all of these things are described as the, the outworking of the Word of God and the fear of God. And so when we come to verses that maybe are somewhat awkward, or I, I remember preaching in 1 Corinthians years ago, I, I was in the chapter on sex, and I titled my sermon Christian Sex. And there were some people who were like, oh, hold on. We're going to do that in this church? And I'm like, well, the chapter's in the Bible. And if God didn't want us to do that in church, then he probably wouldn't have written it. Right? That's the point. This is our manual. This is our guide to life. All things. That includes how we come together in the bond of marriage and enjoy the good gift that God has given. And so that, here's what I would say, like, especially when we come to chapter 15. Our discomfort or awkwardness with the text is not God's problem. It's ours. We need to adjust because God is good. And these words are true and pure. They're right. They're not dirty or gross. God has given us good things in his word. And so it's good for us maybe to correct a bit of our Victorian ethic and allow these topics to ring out. If not here, where? Right? Where? School? I don't think so. So, all that just to set this up. Here we go. Uncleanness and hope. We've got three chapters of Leviticus. Uh, chapter 15 in particular is referred to by commentators 
as the dreaded chapter of all of Leviticus. It's filled with somewhat awkward content, and we'll get there. Don't worry. You don't have to read ahead. Trust me. You, you'll, you, <laughs> you're not going to want to read it twice, but here we go. Uncleanness and hope. Um, let's go in here. I just want to say to equip us as we move through all these verses. It, don't think primarily this is a sanitary effort. This is not God establishing primarily uh, uh, like a form of hospital or medical scenario. This is, this is secondary to that. The primary issue in all of these verses is the relationship with the holy God who is in their midst. He is right there in the camp. And so you hear these words constantly, unclean, unclean, unclean. You are not clean. You are not prepared to come into his presence. And so this is primarily what's in view. It's the ceremonial law, which we know is good, but fulfilled in Christ. So ironically, these three chapters don't directly apply to us at all. They, they are part of the law that was fulfilled in Christ and then is rendered obsolete. We don't practice uh, animal sacrifice anymore. We don't do these things. However, there's things that we can learn because the God who loved his people is the same God who loves us, his people. And he reveals of who he is. And in their obedience, we also have a pattern for us to kind of build out how we are to live and walk in this world. So primary is the vertical relationship with the holy, holy, holy God. Focus on that as you move through it. It'll, it'll equip you as you hear these verses. So ESV audio, thank you so much. This guy reads much faster than I do. Let's do this. I'm just going to sit down. It's about eight and a half minutes. We, we, can we do this? We ready? All right. So real problems, chapter 13. Let's take it in. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest, or to one of his sons the priests, and the priest shall examine the diseased area on the skin of his body. And if the hair in the diseased area has turned white, and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a case of leprous disease. When the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him unclean. But if the spot is white in the skin of his body, and appears no deeper than the skin, and the hair in it has not turned white, the priest shall shut up the diseased person for seven days. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. And if in his eyes the disease is checked, and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall shut him up for another seven days. And the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And if the diseased area has faded and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only an eruption and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the eruption spreads in the skin, after he has shown himself to the priest for his cleansing, he shall appear again before the priest. And the priest shall look, and if the eruption has spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous disease. When a man is afflicted with a leprous disease, he shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall look. And if there is a white swelling in the skin that has turned the hair white, and there is raw flesh in the swelling, it is a chronic leprous disease in the skin of his body, and the priest shall pronounce him unclean. He shall not shut him up, for he is unclean. 
And if the leprous disease breaks out in the skin so that the leprous disease covers all the skin of the diseased person from head to foot, so far as the priest can see, then the priest shall look, and if the leprous disease has covered all his body, he shall pronounce him clean of the disease. It is all turned white, and he is clean. But when raw flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean. And the priest shall examine the raw flesh and pronounce him unclean. Raw flesh is unclean, for it is a leprous disease. But if the raw flesh recovers and turns white again, then he shall come to the priest, and the priest shall examine him. And if the disease has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce the diseased person clean. He is clean. If there is in the skin of one's body a boil, and it heals, and in the place of the boil there comes a white swelling or a reddish-white spot, then it shall be shown to the priest. And the priest shall look, and if it appears deeper than the skin, and its hair has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a case of leprous disease that is broken out in the boil. But if the priest examines it, and there is no white hair in it, and it is not deeper than the skin, but is faded, then the priest shall shut him up seven days. And if it spreads in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a disease. But if the spot remains in one place and does not spread, it is the scar of the boil, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. Or when the body has a burn on its skin, and the raw flesh of the burn becomes a spot, reddish-white or white, the priest shall examine it, and if the hair in the spot has turned white, and it appears deeper than the skin, then it is a leprous disease. It has broken out in the burn, and the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a case of leprous disease. But if the priest examines it, and there is no white hair in the spot, and it is no deeper than the skin, but has faded, the priest shall shut him up seven days, and the priest shall examine him the seventh day. If it is spreading in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a case of leprous disease. But if the spot remains in one place and does not spread in the skin, but has faded, it is a swelling from the burn, and the priest shall pronounce him clean, for it is the scar of the burn. When a man or woman has a disease on the head or the beard, the priest shall examine the disease. And if it appears deeper than the skin, and the hair in it is yellow and thin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is an itch, a leprous disease of the head or the beard. And if the priest examines the itching disease and it appears no deeper than the skin and there is no black hair in it, then the priest shall shut up the person with the itching disease for seven days. And on the seventh day the priest shall examine the disease. If the itch has not spread, and there is in it no yellow hair, and the itch appears to be no deeper than the skin, then he shall shave himself, but the itch he shall not shave. And the priest shall shut up the person with the itching disease for another seven days. And on the seventh day the priest shall examine the itch, and if the itch has not spread in the skin, and it appears to be no deeper than the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the itch spreads in the skin after his cleansing, then the priest shall examine him, and if the itch has spread in the skin, the priest need not seek for the yellow hair, he is unclean. But if in his eyes the itch is unchanged, and black hair has grown in it, the itch is healed, and he is clean, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. When a man or a woman has spots on the skin of the body, white spots, the priest shall look, and if the spots on the skin of the body are of a dull white, it is leucoderma that is broken out in the skin, he is clean. If a man's hair falls out from his head, he is bald, he is clean. And if a man's hair falls out from his forehead, he has baldness of the forehead, he is clean. 
But if there is on the bald head or the bald forehead a reddish-white diseased area, it is a leprous disease breaking out on his bald head or his bald forehead. Then the priest shall examine him, and if the diseased swelling is reddish-white on his bald head or on his bald forehead, like the appearance of leprous disease in the skin of the body, he is a leprous man, he is unclean. The priest must pronounce him unclean, his disease is on his head. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. When there is a case of leprous disease in a garment, whether a woolen or a linen garment, in warp or woof of linen or wool, or in a skin or in anything made of skin, if the disease is greenish or reddish in the garment, or in the skin or in the warp or the woof or in any article made of skin, it is a case of leprous disease and it shall be shown to the priest. And the priest shall examine the disease and shut up that which has the disease for seven days. Then he shall examine the disease on the seventh day. If the disease has spread in the garment, in the warp or the woof, or in the skin, whatever be the use of the skin, the disease is a persistent leprous disease, it is unclean. And he shall burn the garment, or the warp or the woof, the wool or the linen, or any article made of skin that is diseased, for it is a persistent leprous disease, it shall be burned in the fire. And if the priest examines, and if the disease has not spread in the garment, in the warp or the woof, or in any article made of skin, then the priest shall command that they wash the thing in which is the disease, and he shall shut it up for another seven days. And the priest shall examine the diseased thing after it has been washed. And if the appearance of the diseased area has not changed, though the disease has not spread, it is unclean. You shall burn it in the fire, whether the rot is on the back or on the front. But if the priest examines, and if the diseased area has faded after it has been washed, he shall tear it out of the garment or the skin or the warp or the woof. Then if it appears again in the garment, in the warp or the woof, or in any article made of skin, it is spreading. You shall burn with fire whatever has the disease. But the garment or the warp or the woof or any article made of skin from which the disease departs when you have washed it shall then be washed a second time and be clean. This is the law for a case of leprous disease in a garment of wool or linen, either in the warp or the woof or in any article made of skin, to determine whether it is clean or unclean. All right, we made it. Good work, everybody. You with me still? Hanging in there? The warp or the woof. That is uh, the weave pattern of uh, skins or uh, a fabric, and uh, you could get things in there that would start to uh, mold or mildew. Um, a few thoughts about this. Just th There's so many details in here. Um, when we hear leprous disease or leprosy, we tend to think Hansen's disease, but this is actually a catch-all category. There's all kinds of skin diseases that would be included in this, boils and rashes and all kinds of things. So um, don't, don't think too narrow on this. Um, what I want to do is look big picture at these chapters and pull up. We've got a lot of detail here. And just consider this. Why would God concern himself with that level of detail when it comes to something like skin disease. This is a fairly common situation back then. Uh, they didn't have all the medicines that we have uh, nowadays. Uh, why is he drawing so much focus 
when it comes to the ceremonial law to skin disease of all of the the diseases you could have. I was struck by the nature of skin disease. It's a visible disease, something you can see, something that, that breaks out. Say you have a spot that breaks out on your hand and you see it, you spot it. And he says, listen, go, go after that. Don't wait. Don't ignore that. Go to the priest. Examine it. Or it will spread. It's progressive. It can move up your arm. It can infect your whole body. It can infect your entire household for all who live in your house. It is also a pervasive experience. No one is necessarily immune to a skin disease. It could be a priest. It could be a child. It could be a rich man, a poor man, man or woman, right? Anybody can get these kinds of diseases. And then I stop and I thought, you know, this kind of reminds me of something else the Lord drew attention to. Leaven. All the emphasis of unleavened bread. And then how the connection of leaven ties to sin. And, and the it's almost like an illustration of how we are to hunt for sin and be aware of sin and on guard against sin. Skin disease, I think, is serving to be a similar kind of type for us of how significant and serious sin is in our lives. Even a small little spot can cause a problem. If you don't deal with it and address it, it can spread. It can affect all in your home. It can hurt the community as a whole. And so you have this, this reminder, in a sense, that disease and death exist because of sin. Because of sin. This world is broken and, and, and fallen because we collectively, in Adam, we turned our back on the Lord. We rebelled. We disobeyed. We broke his law. And we are rightfully under the curse, the fall, uh, the, the, the curse that's upon this earth, right? So it's one of the reasons that we have things like corona, right? That, that's part of the fall. Our world is, is shattered and broken. It's one of the reasons why you hear pronouncements about cancer, right? Some of these things happen. Or you just get a cold and your nose starts to run. And you're just like, man, what? Sin. Sin. It pushes us back to this reminder. It's sin. Now, let me get you know clear on this. I, I don't mean that you got a cold because you sinned, that this is God's judgment on you. Or, to be really careful here, you don't necessarily have cancer because you committed a sin. I mean, remember when the Pharisees were down and on the, the guy, was he, I think he was blind from birth or lame from birth. And they're like, which one sinned? Who sinned? His parents or him? And Jesus said, listen, you're missing the whole point. This guy was blind from birth so that this moment I could heal him and be glorified. You see, so we don't want to think too small of this, but in general broad categories, the reason we are weak and frail and disease-ridden is because of the curse. It won't be like this on the new earth when the Lord makes all things new. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things is gone. And behold, new is come. So they're pointers for us. Ritual uncleanliness has everything to do with my ability to be in the presence of a holy God. Therefore, I need to go and talk to the priest. Now, this is fascinating. 
the priest was the guy who set uh, the cleanliness um, you know, you need to wash, you need to do this. He, he was the, the, the applier of these laws. And he was the one who determined the quarantine, right? So we've heard a lot about the quarantine. Inslee, I, I mean, I should probably be doing that, not Inslee. Like seven days, we're good, right? Wouldn't that be nice? The priest had a huge role in applying all of these laws in their various situations. He needed wisdom. He would examine, almost like a doctor would examine. But again, medical is secondary. Primary is holiness. See how important that is to see in this law? Is this person fit to be in the presence of God? If he is not, then there's things that need to be done. All of chapter 14 will uh, unfold that for us. So, if he is unfit, then there are other things. Like if you, if you have leprosy and your, your body is, is covered with this thing, then you are to be outside the camp. You are excluded from the community. It, don't think punishment as much as separation. This is a separation. You, you cannot be in the presence of God who dwells in the camp. You are to be outside the camp. This is where the Gentiles would be, the, the traders and the merchants and others. Um, and so it was an extremely difficult thing, but not hopeless, not hopeless, because we have chapter 14, okay? So let's get into chapter 14, ritual cleansing. Um, this is about seven and a half minutes long. You guys ready? Can we do it? All right, let's make it. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall look. Then if the case of leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, the priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed two live clean birds, and cedar wood, and scarlet yarn, and hyssop. And the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood, and the scarlet yarn, and the hyssop, and dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water and he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. Then he shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the living bird go into the open field. And he who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, and shave off all his hair, and bathe himself in water, and he shall be clean. And after that he may come into the camp, but live outside his tent seven days. And on the seventh day he shall shave off all his hair from his head, his beard, and his eyebrows. He shall shave off all his hair, and then he shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and he shall be clean. And on the eighth day he shall take two male lambs without blemish, and one ewe lamb a year old without blemish, and a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, and one log of oil. And the priest who cleanses him shall set the man who is to be cleansed and these things before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And the priest shall take one of the male lambs and offer it for a guilt offering, along with the log of oil, and wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. And he shall kill the lamb in the place where they kill the sin offering and the burnt offering, in the place of the sanctuary. For the guilt offering, like the sin offering, belongs to the priest. It is most holy. The priest shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering, and the priest shall put it on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. Then the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand, 
and dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand, and sprinkle some oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. And some of the oil that remains in his hand the priest shall put on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot, on top of the blood of the guilt offering. And the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed. Then the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. The priest shall offer the sin offering to make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. And afterward he shall kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be clean. But if he is poor and cannot afford so much, then he shall take one male lamb for a guilt offering to be waved, to make atonement for him, and a tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, and a log of oil, also two turtle doves or two pigeons, whichever he can afford. The one shall be a sin offering, and the other a burnt offering. And on the eighth day he shall bring them for his cleansing to the priest, to the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord. And the priest shall take the lamb of the guilt offering and the log of oil, and the priest shall wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. And he shall kill the lamb of the guilt offering. And the priest shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering and put it on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. And the priest shall pour some of the oil into the palm of his own left hand, and shall sprinkle with his right finger some of the oil that is in his left hand seven times before the Lord. And the priest shall put some of the oil that is in his hand on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot, in the place where the blood of the guilt offering was put. And the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed, to make atonement for him before the Lord. And he shall offer of the turtle doves or pigeons, whichever he can afford, one for a sin offering, and the other for a burnt offering, along with a grain offering. And the priest shall make atonement before the Lord for him who is being cleansed. This is the law for him in whom is a case of leprous disease, who cannot afford the offerings for his cleansing. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When you come into the land of Canaan, which I give you for a possession, and I put a case of leprous disease in a house in the land of your possession, then he who owns the house shall come and tell the priest, There seems to be some case of disease in my house. Then the priest shall command that they empty the house before the priest goes to examine the disease, lest all that is in the house be declared unclean. And afterward the priest shall go in to see the house, and he shall examine the disease. And if the disease is in the walls of the house with greenish or reddish spots, and if it appears to be deeper than the surface, then the priest shall go out of the house to the door of the house, and shut up the house seven days. And the priest shall come again on the seventh day and look. If the disease has spread in the walls of the house, then the priest shall command that they take out the stones in which is the disease and throw them into an unclean place outside the city. And he shall have the inside of the house scraped all around, and the plaster that they scrape off they shall pour out in an unclean place outside the city. Then they shall take other stones and put them in the place of those stones, and he shall take other plaster and plaster the house. If the disease breaks out again in the house after he has taken out the stones and scraped the house and plastered it, then the priest shall go and look, and if the disease has spread in the house, it is a persistent leprous disease in the house, it is unclean. And he shall break down the house, its stones and timber and all the plaster of the house, and he shall carry them out of the city to an unclean place. 
Moreover, whoever enters the house while it is shut up shall be unclean until the evening, and whoever sleeps in the house shall wash his clothes, and whoever eats in the house shall wash his clothes. But if the priest comes and looks, and if the disease has not spread in the house after the house was plastered, then the priest shall pronounce the house clean, for the disease is healed. And for the cleansing of the house he shall take two small birds, with cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop, and shall kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water, and shall take the cedar wood and the hyssop and the scarlet yarn, along with the live bird, and dip them in the blood of the bird that was killed, and in the fresh water, and sprinkle the house seven times. Thus he shall cleanse the house with the blood of the bird, and with the fresh water, and with the live bird, and with the cedar wood, and hyssop, and scarlet yarn. And he shall let the live bird go out of the city into the open country. So he shall make atonement for the house, and it shall be clean. This is the law for any case of leprous disease, for an itch, for leprous disease in a garment or in a house, and for a swelling or an eruption or a spot, to show when it is unclean and when it is clean. This is the law for leprous disease. Okay. So a lot in there. Um, fascinated by some of the details. Um, in fact, anticipating next week when we get into the Day of Atonement, uh, some of these things, the hyssop and the, the scarlet yarn and the releasing of the bird. Um, we're going to see some of these things play out more next week. And so we'll get into those details I'm fascinated here by the cleansing of the whole person. How? By the blood. By the blood. Once again, the way a person is clean, made holy, made, made able to come into the presence of God is only by the blood. But the blood is then placed on the right earlobe and the right thumb. And the right big toe. I mean, think of the level of detail. Think of the significance of each of these. The ear that he would listen, delight in God's law, obey him. The, the hands, right? That he would serve the Lord. That his hands would be for God's service. And that his, his feet would be cleansed. So that he would walk in the Lord's way. And walk in obedience to the Lord. The whole person from head to toe cleansed by the blood of the sacrifice. That meets us, doesn't it, believers? That meets us. Your cleansing, Christian, through the blood of Jesus Christ is not a partial cleansing. He has washed you from head to toe to be clean, redeemed, set apart for holiness. Ephesians just rings this out. So a little glimpse there of New Testament fulfillment. And then I'm just struck with how uh, he gets into this, the, the cleansing and, and, and work of houses. Well, they have tents. There are nomadic people. No one has plaster or stones on a house that's in place. This is all anticipating the promised land. And isn't it just like God to give these things as if they've already happened? Because in God's mind, they have. You will be in the promised land someday. And think of all that has to happen before that occurs. There's a lot of work. There's 40 years of wandering. And then the conquest. But all the way out here, when you have houses and you've plastered them, and all of a sudden you notice something beginning to grow in the corner, 
and you realize there's mold or, or mildew or fungus, something growing in there. They refer to it as leprous disease, but that's a catch-all category, like I said earlier. So he gives instructions. What do you do? How do you respond to this? Don't ignore it. Once again, it draws our attention to the seriousness of sin. It's not just medical. It's ceremonial. It's about holiness. It's about walking rightly and upright with the Lord. Deal with the things that you see in your home. Don't ignore them. Call them what they are and address them with the Lord. Now, chapter 15, dealing with discharge. Uh, we are a broken people. We are weak and feeble. We are disease-ridden, as our times remind us. And there's just normal living stuff, normal living things that happen. And so the Lord is going to address some of these things in chapter 15 and uh, we're just going to jump in here and make our way through these verses. And then I'll make some comments here as we close at the end. So chapter 15, dealing with discharge. Okay, you didn't expect to hear this when you came this morning, but here we go. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When any man has a discharge from his body, his discharge is unclean. And this is the law of his uncleanness for a discharge whether his body runs with his discharge or his body is blocked up by his discharge, it is his uncleanness. Every bed on which the one with the discharge lies shall be unclean, and everything on which he sits shall be unclean. And anyone who touches his bed shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. And whoever sits on anything on which the one with the discharge has sat shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. And whoever touches the body of the one with the discharge shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. And if the one with the discharge spits on someone who is clean, then he shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. And any saddle on which the one with the discharge rides shall be unclean. And whoever touches anything that was under him shall be unclean until the evening. And whoever carries such things shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. Anyone whom the one with the discharge touches without having rinsed his hands in water shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. And an earthenware vessel that the one with the discharge touches shall be broken, and every vessel of wood shall be rinsed in water. And when the one with the discharge is cleansed of his discharge, then he shall count for himself seven days for his cleansing and wash his clothes. And he shall bathe his body in fresh water 